Howdy folks, this is HedgePod, a podcast about how our mass media reinforces the cultural hegemony of the ruling class. I'm Jack, my pronouns are they and them, I'm also okay with he and him. I'm Nova, my pronouns are he and him. I'm Soren, aka Sarsen, and my pronouns are he, him. I'm Michelle, and my pronouns are she, her. What we do here is explain and explore the many ways that popular media is used to consciously and unconsciously enforce the ideology of the ruling class. Cultural hegemony is a component of Marxist philosophy. Uh, we're leftists here, and by leftists I mean we have really radical takes, like that access to quality education should be a basic human right, and that everyone should be able to, to have an education if they so desire. So just keep that in mind whenever we're uh, you know, taking a look at some of this material, that our, our views and our takes are coming from a place of you know, extreme radical ideas like that. Uh, what we've been doing is watching uh, sitcoms, uh, but today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to watch, this one isn't a sitcom so much as it is a, a dramedy. It's a, it's a, it's a, a, a fan favorite that I, I think a lot of folks uh, really resonate with, uh, but uh, it's Gilmore Girls. Uh, we're doing an episode of Gilmore Girls, a little bit more long form, and uh, this one was, we got a lot of recommendations for this one, and it's a funny show. Ironically, I think that the, the pacing of this one is going to be very interesting, because they, one of the things that they talk about behind the scenes in the show a lot is the pace of the show being so quick, the gags move, move fast. Now, something that we've run into on HedgePod is that, like we, we did the Family Guy episode, we couldn't keep up hardly with our commentary, just because they were moving from gag to gag. I think that I anticipate we're going to have the opposite problem, just because I, it's just being a long-form show. I think that we're going to be able to get into the weeds with stuff a little bit more. Uh, and with that, I'm going to go ahead and press play right now. So we've opened with the title card. It's classic font, like has nice little serifs on it, black screen. It says Gilmore Girls. We've got a church, and we pan over the city of Stars Hollow. So, um, Michelle, could do you want to take us through what? Like what Stars Hollow is, it's a, uh, and and why it's special to the show. Uh, it's just a small town in Connecticut where everybody kind of knows each other. They have town meetings and um, just kind of familiar places where everybody is just friends and and knows what's going on in each other's lives. It's almost an idealized version of what you'd want a small town to be. My gosh, they're young. I just finished watching this series all the way through for the first time, and looking at them now, it's just like, oh my gosh. So we've got Lorelai coming into Luke's diner here. We don't know their characters' names yet, but um, it's Lauren Graham and Scott Patterson. Uh, he, she walks in and says, you know, she needs coffee, and he's like, you have a problem. So... Um, so right away we've got this this uh, this small town quaint setting, uh, the coffee shop. Of course, we talked a little bit about the coffee shop in the Friends episode, but it was a little bit different setting. So we've got a younger guy kind of approaches the table here, and this is actually the scene that's on the Netflix preview. We're watching this on Netflix. Um, the guy, the guy's like hitting on her. He's like, 
It's kind of pushy, though. Drinking coffee you look really good. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's coming on really strong, <laughs> uh, to say the least. It's like I'm meeting somebody, and he's like, okay, well, I'm going to sit down and talk to you anyway. <laughs> right. Uh, so in comes Rory. Uh, the, the viewers don't... I mean, you can probably guess from the posters and stuff like that. This is Lorelai's daughter, who's also actually named Lorelai. Uh, there's the Macy Gray CD. Um, so this, there's like a ton of cultural references that kind of date this thing. But uh, That the, opening song dated it pretty well for me. Oh my god, that's such a 2000 song. Oh right? yeah, for sure. So much. Yeah, and so this one, this one aired in 2000. Uh, yeah. Well, this so, one actually has a different like opening song versus like the rest of the. Oh, series. you're right. So this cat, this guy, this young guy has come back and is hitting on Rory now, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and she's like, "You're hitting on my daughter now." <laughs> He's like, "You don't look like old enough to have a daughter, and you don't look like a daughter." That's possibly very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> that Lorelai's wit is. Yeah. Lorelai's wit dispels so them quick. quickly. I wish I was quick. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I was quick like them. <laughs> no, so now we get the proper intro. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, here it is. So this is Carol King. Uh,. This is like a in the fandom. I, I don't know. I don't know why I've gotten so deep into the show so quickly. Uh, but I'm like into the fandom and stuff. Like I've I've made a board game and stuff about this show. It's a really good one. But I, I've been <laughs> it's <laughs> I've been dying to do this one for several episodes now because I'm like we did the office. You know we we've done all my favorites at this point. So Gilmore Girls has got to be here. And I wanted Michelle to be here too because I, she's got like how many watches through you have in this show? Twenty. More than twenty, I'm sure. <laughs> I've yep. lost count. I just play it in the background all the time, like even if I'm not watching. But Lorelai's wit is like the one of the big things, uh, you know, elements of the show. She kind of like is able to dispel this guy. But uh, you know, at least the showrunners, like from a hegemony standpoint, acknowledge you know that this is not okay behavior from this kid, you know. And sort of kind of normalizes, you know, uh, I, I don't know, in a way sort of normalizes teen pregnancy, I guess shows it from a, uh, you know, a little bit more of a, a different angle than what you would expect to see from a show that came out in 2000. Like, the, the entire premise of the show here oh, is that... She's a young mother? She's a young this, mother. This you know? dude, this, okay. like clerk at this like hotel though i just like i love that like it, like he's like oh of course i'll look ma'am just puts the phone down for a second <laughs> like up yeah we don't have him like, sounds great the way to do it yeah so the michelle is actually a uh, french canadian as well uh i'm pretty sure uh, yeah yannick truesdale is uh so the, his character michelle is supposed to be french but the actor is gleaned the whole uh accent or whatever from like I guess the Quebecois or whatever. I, I don't know much about Canada, but uh, I thought that I heard that on the other podcast not too long ago, and it was like people said like that's not French, that's not like a real French accent or whatever. And he's like, yeah, but it's like the type of French that I know. So 
I leaned in, you yeah. know. <laughs> and it works. His character's great. It's kind of sad to find out that he doesn't really have an accent like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love that he's, like, flipping through this giant guest book. Like, the... There's <laughs> no, we're completely booked. They do all their scheduling on this massive book. They they've got no, they don't have computers or anything like that. He hands the computer, he he hands this portable phone off to Lorelai so she can like, I don't know, talk to a guest or something. She's talking to the plumber who mm. tried to scam them out of a hundred bucks. So, in honor for her sweater. Yeah, why? What's wrong with that sweater? She said something about it. You she couldn't said find. You couldn't it. find one made of metal. <laughs> like it's because it's not sexy enough, maybe. Yeah, I think I think that's what she's trying to get at. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> well, that's like I guess old ladyish or something. <laughs> it's sort of framing their kind of character dynamic that she's trying really hard to be the cool mom, quote unquote. I think. And that's sort of like a, a running theme in this show. And I, I think it's kind of interesting, too, like from, like, uh, you know, uh, the hegemony component of it. It's like the only way that you can be a cool mom is by making fun of your kid for the clothes that she's wearing. <laughs> like, uh, no. Their style does, you know, improve. Go by, though. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not even that. I mean, it's just like, who cares? Like. She's yeah. she's wearing whatever like it's a they made a whole plot point out of her wearing a sweater, which I mean it is a pretty big sweater I guess but <laughs> it looks extremely comfortable. It does look comfy. Oh. I, if I was in Falling in Connecticut, I would I probably want to wear that sweater too. So we've got uh, we got a we got a model minority arranged marriages, always fun. Yeah, so we've got the, 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 the model minority is uh, Lane uh, is the character name played by Keiko Ajina. She's supposed to be a Korean uh, girl whose mother is a Seventh-day Adventist. So the uh, uh, arranged marriage part of it is a little bit of a throw-off, I think, because it's like you think that it's because of that, but it's actually because they're into this you know, Seventh-day stuff. <laughs> they're they're all whispering to each other. They're in the classroom now. And there's there's a group of girls who are passing nail polish back and forth between <laughs> each other. Right. And painting their nails during what appears to be a test. And Rory doesn't seem interested in that. So and they kinda silently judge her for Right. Actually being, doing the assignment. Doing the work. Ha ha ha. You're a smart kid and you're you know, like like, uh, it's kind of one, it, it makes you wonder about the whole chicken egg thing. Cause like when I was in high school, I legitimately did get picked on for like doing my assignments and stuff like that. Like that's actually a oh, thing yeah. that happened, but it makes you wonder like, did that happen because of stuff like this, like normalizing it or did stuff like this happen because, you know, did they write this because it's a thing that happened? You know what I mean? I'm sure there's some sort of vicious cycle. 
So here we have Suki, who is played by Melissa McCarthy, in oh wow a role that I I had, I did not know Melissa McCarthy played this role before. Like I only ever knew her from like Bridesmaids and stuff, and seeing her play this like super hyper wholesome chef, it it threw me off a little bit. Not gonna lie. The first thing I knew of her though, but it was supposed to be played by Alex Borstein, who was playing the harp in the beginning. Right. Alex she was supposed the, to be uh, with Lois from Family Guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she was supposed to be Suki though. Yep. So she's like cut her hand, and Lorelai's talking to. Her. They're having kind of like a heart-to-heart moment, like kind of illustrating that, you know, they're par- they're business partners. You know, she's Suki works in the kitchen. Lorelai works in the front desk. You know, with with Michelle, the the the. Uh, uh, you know, booking agent guy or concierge. Uh, now Rory and and Lane are walking to Kim's Antiques, where uh, Lane's Lane's mother, Mrs. Kim, uh, is the business owner. So they're walking through the antique store, yelling "Mom" and. This is Kimsley Elling Lane. They're trying to play this elaborate game of Marco Polo. <laughs> in a cluttered antique shop. And in the world building, though, it's like, you know, it's pretty elaborate for, you know, I guess, a, you know, a little 45-minute show or whatever. Like, it, they, they really kind of, like, fleshed out this town. You know, like, they, they've already been to the... They've already been to the the coffee shop. They've been to the school. They've been to the antique store. You know, the, it would be remiss not to mention that the small town is in and of itself a character of the show. And it would also be remiss to notice that any small town I've ever been in in my life is nothing like Stars Hollow. <laughs> like, uh, in reality... Super what was that? I said they're usually not super pleasant. I've seen plenty of them in uh, Ohio. Yeah, I I grew up in a small town, and they're usually not really super cool places to be. Uh, People generally... Good place to go if you want to see a gigantic flag of Trump uh, with his head superimposed on the body of Rambo and a giant assault (laughs) rifle blasting away at liberals in uh, some farmer's front yard. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, there was a small town I drove through in Mason County, West Virginia, that was like, uh, there was a there was a big like hay bales on the side, and it was like there was a banner I remember in 2016 draped over the side. It was like Trump for our children or something like that on the side of it. I was like, okay, it didn't get better. <laughs> the narrator, it didn't. It didn't happen. <laughs> Trump was not for our children. <laughs> so uh, Lorelai comes in and is telling, breaking the news to Suki uh, that Rory got into this uh, exclusive school, Chilton. It's like a private school. So this is like a huge trope in media, right? Like the they got in uh scene right like every every show about a, a kid at some point has the you know they did or didn't get in moment 
Good expository dialogue there. Sorry, I talked over it. What did they say? <laughs> oh, she was just uh, going on about how she's hoping that this will lead to her having a normal relationship with her daughter. Mm. She puts in the... Uh... <laughs> she puts a brown paper bag, a uh, skirt, Rory pulls it out and says, I'm going to be in a Britney Spears video. So we've got like... How many elements dating the show at this point? <laughs> it would be cool if everyone got to go to Chilton. <laughs> yep. She asked her mom if she did it with the principal, and that's why she got him. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh... She, who does she think her mom is? Aunt Becky from uh, Full House. <laughs> yeah, we so we did the Full House. How do we get? How did we do the? Did we not even bring up the full, the Aunt Becky? We didn't channel? even bring it up. We didn't even bring did it up. Bring it up. Oh my I don't god! I think she was in the episode. She, uh, she came won. on the series. I think after the first season. So yeah. So we did. Okay. All right, you. Yeah, uh, I fucking I love this guy. Like, hey, the phone, yeah. he's like, yeah, it's ringing. What about it? What, what, what do you want to do? Yeah, about it. I love Lorelai's, like, so delicately, just like, uh, I hate to bother you, <laughs> but you have to work sometimes. <laughs> like, lies. You do not have to work at your job. <laughs> Who does she think she is, Aunt Becky? <laughs> Uh, I wasn't ready for that one. Invoice for their enrollment fee. Wow, that's a lot. So here we go. So expensive. Wow. So even like... This is the thing about this too. Like, you know... Gilmore Girls separate... Like, it, it kind of illustrates a somewhat affluent... You know... This town clearly is like, you know, the people here seem to be doing well, but, you know, she's struggling over this idea that, like, now that my daughter has done all the hard work to get into the school, now I have to pay for it, you know, and that's a very real... I have real... to rob a bank. <laughs> to rob a bank. <laughs> yeah, everyone, I think, has been through that talking to the bursar uh yeah thank you for all your help sort well, of <laughs> not me because i'm a veteran <laughs> right i live in gi bill y'all paid for me <laughs> right uh well i had my i my college was paid for by the college too i had a scholarship but i i i, I went to a, a state college too so it's like you know Oh, yeah. But it's also like, it's weird. She's kind of. Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, she's brainstorming with Suki on how to find money to pay for it. Right. And I think she was going to kind of mention calling somebody, and she said no. And look, she's making fun of her daughter for clothes <laughs> again, and this time it's the. <laughs> It's the Whose uh, house is she wants this? to him it for her. <laughs> well, it's the it's the uh, school uniform, and she's like, "You need to 
Like, it's too long. Like, he looks like you've been swallowed by a kilt, she said. Is this their house? This is this is Lorelai's yeah. house. Yeah. This house is enormous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to have He's a... He's got a nice... The porch and everything. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, she runs the uh, the inn. You know, she basically runs a bed and breakfast and has this enormous house. And, you know, I I, I think that the, sh- that it's, the show is supposed to be presenting the house as not being so large. But now you look through the mantle. It's oh, that, pan- was, that was uh, late 90s, early 2000s houses. Yeah. Just ridiculous. Oh, true, true. So we've got the... Uh, picture of Lorelai when she's little. Yeah, we've got the camera picture over Lorelai, and she's in front of this enormous mansion. So immediately the question is answered as to why this house is so big. She clearly com- like has come for money at some point, you know. So now she's sitting at that same spot uh, in front of the Jeep that she drives, and she's uh, at the front door of the mansion saying, Hi, Mom. And uh, Kelly Bishop answers the answers the door. Thought I'd stop by to see me. <laughs> she says, uh, "I couldn't imagine Is having this that." Her mother? Did I miss that? Yeah, no, no. That was I was talking. I was talking over it, but yeah. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and like an actual mansion. Yeah, an actual mansion. Yeah. Like she's very well to do, or, or at least you know her parents are. So now they're like just sitting in this foyer, staring at each other, basically, uh, awkwardly. Kelly, <laughs> would you like some tea? I'd love some coffee. That's Lorelai's thing. She's like, coffee. There's the great Ed Herman. Uh, back in the back when coffee could be a personality. <laughs> Don't worry, Nova. There's still scores of people who identify as coffee personality people. <laughs> I think. I mean, coffee's at least like I don't know a third of my personality. <laughs> so. Mine too, I would say. So Lorelai says uh, Rory's been accepted to Chilton. Uh, the her dad, uh, played by Ed Herman, is Richard. Is the character's name? Says you need money. That's why you're here, right? Like, so this guy is uh, insider tip here before the show reveals it. Spoiler alert: uh, Richard Gilmore is an insurance salesman, and this is probably the thing I hate the most about this series. And I love this series, but I hate the fact that Richard is is, a, is an insurance salesman and has all this wealth based off of selling insurance. It infuriates me every time they're in the scene. So yeah, this her is, mom said, "If we're going to be financially active, I want to be, you know, I want to be active in other parts of your life too." Right. Which, I mean, is fair. Like, I mean, I think it's somewhat fair. Like, it's like, okay, 
usually these kind of arrangements go unspoken. They don't have to define it so out loud yeah, but it, people to read the subtext. Right. Right, but I think that I think that it's also sort of like I- I- illustrating that you know there's been some sort of a relationship is transactional. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which you know, I mean, I can't really yeah, relate. The Friday night dinners start. Yeah, yeah. So the Friday night dinners a recurring theme in it or whatever, and you know this is kind of sets up. The whole thing, like she's gonna pay. The parents are gonna pay for Rory to get into Chilton. She's gonna establish the Friday night dinner. I mean, I, I can't really relate to having a transactional relationship with my parents, but in some ways, I kind of, I kind of can because you know, like I moved out, you know, whenever I went to college, and you know, like I didn't do it because of any kind of drama or anything like that with my parents. I just wanted to live on my own, you know. So I like I kind of identify with Lorelai a little bit in that whole like, all right, I don't want to come back and ask you for money because I want to take care of myself, you know. And this is a thing that, you know, capitalism sort of does to us. Like it, the individualism starts at a young age. Oh yeah. Well, I'm you know the oldest of five kids and joined the military at seventeen, and I have always, uh, for myself, taken some measure of pride in not going back to my parents for anything if I can help it. They right. do. Uh, once I had my kid, my uh, mom likes to go anytime we're around and go to like Once Upon a Child and get like a hundred, two hundred bucks in clothes for her. But that's something she does because she doesn't get to see her that often. So right. it's uh, a way I think of kind of hanging with her even when you know they're not around. Uh, right. But yeah, my siblings have relied on them an awful lot more than I have. I'm yeah. Pretty and happy I, about that. Yeah, I know how that goes, too. I mean, but this is one of those things, too, where it's just sort of like, instead of, you know, the family unit kind of continuing on and growing into a community unit, uh, you know, under capitalism, we we sort of individualize everything. Like, it's, I think you yeah. were the one that taught me this idea of the atomic family or the, you yeah. know, the atomic individual. Just Probably. like, you, you know. We're all very atomized. Yeah, Lorelai illustrates that in this scene, or the previous scene. It's just kind of like, I'm not going to rely on you for anything. Even though her parents literally have infinite wealth, you know, like she she feels this great shame, like coming to them to ask for this, you know, to pay for this fee or whatever. You know, part of any relationship typically is going to be a give and take. So if he takes that from her parents, then she's going to have to give something. And she likes not having to give something, I think. Right. Which is, I guess, why the Friday night dinners come into play. Yeah. So we've moved on now. We're looking at a scene of Rory uh, is in the high school hallway, and she meets the tall uh, butt-cut guy, (laughs) which is Dean. His outfit, though. Like... (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) He's he's got the the brown, dark brown leather jacket, uh, t-shirt with a... Long, long sleeve underneath it, and Some like khakis, and baggy like khakis. All the clothes are like a huge. They're like at least a couple sizes. It's two thousand. It's two thousand, man. You gotta get the baggy on his hair, the butt cut. <laughs> so this is uh, I, I'm blanking on the actor's wow. name, J- Jared. Such a nice one, Jared Padalecki. Padalecki. What? What was it? What was he's it? In, he's in Supernatural. 
That's oh my god, he looks like a baby. I didn't recognize him. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's in Walker now, I think. Or so Rory and, and Dean are like vibing here. He's helping her carry his, her shit, you know, like like she's got a box with some books and stuff in it. Yeah, she's trying to help him find a job with Miss Patty. And now he's like reciting all the stuff that he uh, <laughs> noticed her doing. Saw her do. <laughs> he's been watching her. Yeah. Uh, and he's like he's like reciting it to the detail, which is it's kind of like I think it's supposed to be like a sweet thing, but it's also kind of like <laughs> creepy. <laughs> it's a little creepy. creepy. He's the kind of thing he, where it can be either her. very romantic or very disturbing. Yeah, he's saying that he's into her because she's she reads very intently and and is so absorbed in whatever she's reading that she won't notice anything going on around her. Yeah. And he right. just, like, watches her read things <laughs> intently. Well, I guess props to Dean for being like, hey, I've been stalking you for the last couple of weeks watching hey, you read. You watching should know. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess Rory handles it well. She's a good kid, you know? Like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> So we've got Lorelai and Roy are uh, in. They're eating in a diner or some restaurant or something. They appear to be eating spinach, just spinach on a plate. Just yeah. <laughs> what is this? Oh, they're in Luke's diner. Uh, that must have been the appetizer. Here comes the burgers. What did he say? Can kill you. Red, Red meat. meat can kill you. <laughs> Dean, based Dean. I mean, not Dean. Uh, Luke, based Luke. But why does he say red meat can Healthy kill you if he, he like? Is he, like, is he, is he vegetarian or vegan or something? Like, is that his character? I think no. he's a healthy eater, but I don't think he's like strictly vegan. I don't. He's uh, just. He's just an asshole to them. Honestly, he would say anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Like, it's like a, I think it's his sort of like, just a stick. Is it? I mean, I don't know if it panned over or not, but. He has a, uh, like, no cell phones thing. He's just a gruff dude, you know? Yeah, the the two times that we've seen him so far in this episode... 30-minute commute? Oh, no. He's, like, berated Lorelai for drinking too much coffee. And right. She's right there. So tell, tell me about that 30-minute commute, because, like, she's really concerned about this 30-minute commute to college, like, yeah. which, you know... Well, sucks, I don't but... think she cared before, but now she's met Dean, so she doesn't want to be 30 minutes from this cute guy that she met at school. Is that what it is? So now she doesn't want to go. Well, the, the fact that she's still able to say, like, eh, a 30-minute commute, you know, that's bad stuff. I mean, Lorelai's not ta oh. not having it, you know. But They've stormed out without touching their dinner. Like she does, yeah, she doesn't know why. She doesn't know that she met, you know, Dean or that she wants to stay there because... Look at oh, this hair. Was that she uh, had to embarrass herself to her uh, parents, which she seems to be at least semi-estranged from, in order to uh, get the money for that. And which that's something that uh, the girl doesn't know. Miss Patty is a uh, like 
leaning against this barn that has like a dance floor in it and there's like a bunch of like little eight nine year old girls dancing in tutus inside so she seems to be like a dance instructor again stars hollow is a character we've seen the meeting hall miss patty's dance studio or what have you it's like Who's Flojo? You're gonna have to turn into friggin' uh, Flojo to get away from me. Like runner. Okay. Uh, Florence yeah. Johnson, I think. I'm not positive. Well, Lorelai saw through it. Or you got it. Yeah. So. <laughs> She's trying to say you're me. You're throwing away your important life experiences to be with a guy. You know, etc. And then Rory is lying. <laughs> Basically, like, yeah, I don't want to change schools because, you know. Advice. If you're going to throw your life away, he better have a motorcycle. He better have a motorcycle. <laughs> I think that's the, probably the, the the gem of the of the, of our entire podcast. Folks... Uh. <laughs> we are leftists here, which means we have really radical views. Like, if you're going to throw your life away, better make sure he has <laughs> a motorcycle. A motorcycle. <laughs> you don't get knocked up at 16 being indifferent to guys, she sa She tells her daughter. I mean, it's cool that they can, like, have this conversation, you know? Like, this is the sort of thing that's, like... I think the show helped to kind of normalize a little bit, like... People long for this. Like, they want this type of relationship with their mother, like, where they can talk about this sort of thing. Like, and the show kind of illustrates it as being an awkward thing, even though it's a kind of a positive thing. Like, one of the things we keep talking about on this series over and over again is communication. Like, so yeah. much rising action and drama in these series, in these sitcoms. Like, sorry, I stopped when she said we had a democracy in this house. <laughs> So she's she's playing the mom card. You're going to Chilton whether you want to or not. Well, but back to my point is like one of the things we always talk about is like okay, this wouldn't have happened if Macy Gray song. There it is. Um, we we wouldn't even we wouldn't even have this problem if they hadn't have just had a conversation. Well, that's what I like about this show is that the conversation is the drama. You know, it's kind of cool, but. So now we cut to a smoky grill. Suki is distraught. They're in the inn. And it appears that there's been some mishap <laughs> with the range. She's always setting fires or cutting herself. She's somewhat clumsy, it appears. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fight. Mothers and daughters fight sometimes. We never fight. <laughs> Michelle, dude. <laughs> when your daughter arrives, she's she's here, and she's sitting in my chair. 
I love it, man. Some people don't even get chairs at work. That's something that we need to discuss on this show sometime. I was at Planet Fitness oh, and they no were like, Lulu today." Yeah, I was like, I, I was working out and they were like, uh, "They don't let us sit down." I was like, "What do you mean?" And they're like, "They don't let us sit down behind the desk." Like, Jeez. golly, that's nuts. Glad I canceled my membership. Yeah, I. That and they kept building me through COVID. I was like, I'm not going, fellas. <laughs> Michelle goes behind the desk and sits down after Roy stands up and is just like, ah, my chair. It's the little things, you know. <laughs> like, you know. He's, he's my favorite. Absolutely my favorite. <laughs> Being able to sit down at work. You love to see it, folks. So it's Lorelai and Rory, Rory who, uh, you know, look at the jazz cup. They got, she's got the jazz cup. You can't see the full yeah. pattern, but it's jazz. You know, it's jazz. <laughs> uh, they're standing out in front of, uh, the Gilmore seniors home, which is an enormous mansion as we've already described. And, uh, Emily Gilmore, uh, opens the door. Is that a collector's, collector's cup or can cup. it throw it away? It is a collector's cup, actually. That's a jazz cup, folks. And uh, I don't know if you know what a jazz cup is, but uh, it has this cool-ass uh, <laughs> pattern on it <laughs> that was found in the late 90s, early 2000s it, throughout Hollywood. But, yeah, it's just like a, a placeholder they use for coffee cups. So they come into the foyer. Richard's sitting on the uh, couch. Said, your daughter's tall. Like, they're... <laughs> it, why is he so listless, like, at seeing Rory? I guess he's, like... It's not every day that I have my daughters here on a day that banks are open. What does that even mean? I don't even get that. It means that they are normally yeah. only there on holidays. Ah. Yeah, on oh, okay. holidays. I'm not smart. <laughs> Thanks for the yeah. explanation. <laughs> so 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 uh, the the Gilmore's senior are very stuffy, stuck up people here, which is clearly the mother just said. An education is the most important thing after family, or something like that. Yeah, and then Lorelai's like, and pie. Yeah, that, that scene was great right there, actually, because, uh, you know, after all that stuff of, of, of uh, Richard saying, like, uh, she's tall, uh, you know, just, like, being sort of incredulous about Rory being there, she sits down on the couch next to him, and he's looking at a newspaper, and... Oh, God. They're talking about insurance. Uh, he, he hands her a newspaper and it's just kind of like this little wholesome thing. Like it's like, you know, grandpa's way of, you know, showing that, you know, whatever she's they're They're having a, a moment, you know? Ooh, so, an internet startup in uh 2000 going public. I see only good things ahead for them. <laughs> right. They're definitely not going to destroy the planet or like radicalize half of society or, like polarize everyone against each other and cause a riot <laughs> that you know an insurrection or go under in the uh, second dot com bust <laughs> yeah. you know what if it's Napster you know Lars yeah. Ulrich might have something to say about this 
Uh, yeah, uh, Richard is a uh, businessman, and uh, you know he's he's chasing uh, he chases every lead that he can possibly find. He was describing the insurance salesman. He said, "Somebody breaks their foot off, we pay. Somebody cuts their hand off, we pay. Whatever." I'm like I just imagine that's how insurance execs actually act and feel. I don't know. They're usually not big fans of actually paying. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> So Lorelai and Emily are back in the kitchen now. They're arguing. Uh, Richard and Rory are out in the in the dining room, just kind of awkwardly, uh, you know, doing the white people stare at each other uh, while something awkward is happening in the next room. Uh, so uh, apparently, Richard has mentioned Lorelai's. Uh, Rory's dad, whose name is Christopher. And again, in the classic, you know, the parents are disappointed that, that, you know, the mother and father split up or whatever, which, you know, child needs a mother and a father. No matter how toxic the relationship is, you must stay together for the kids. Oh, man. Never. So, I mean, I, I gotta, again, hand it to the showrunners for at least, you know, taking that element of the hegemony and saying, like, okay, this is a thing that people say, which is somewhat nonsense, you know? Like, like the, the protagonist of the show here does not abide by that. It doesn't adhere to the thing that, the stuff that, you know, that Grandma says you need to do, you know? So they keep going back and forth, you know, Lorelai's like, I built everything on my own. I didn't I didn't have your help to do this stuff. Uh, even though she actually did just because being like an affluent white person is like, uh, you know, whatever. Anyway, <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> she's like, I didn't directly come here and ask you for a business loan to start my business or anything like that. I worked my way through it. It's kind of like the thing we were talking about earlier. And, you know, they're having a huge knockdown drag outfit about it in the kitchen. Grandpa falls asleep. So they leave. They leave the, the. They go out the front door. Rory and Lorelai out in front of the door. They've shut it and kind of having a. Having a sigh about it. Lorelai's like, Do I look shorter? I feel shorter. And Rory says, How about I buy you a cup of coffee? They hug. They start walking off of the front stoop and fade to the interior of Luke's diner. They're walking in. <laughs> She's asking how much they heard. Yeah, basically everything. We heard it all. <laughs> walking into Luke's diner, sitting down, getting some coffee. Rory says, how many meals until we're off the hook? Lorelai says, I think the deli spread at my funeral is going to be the last one. So they completed the transaction here. They're getting the money from the parents. And uh, now we cut to <laughs> Luke 
who's somewhat dressed up, I guess. He said, I had a meeting at the bank. She says, you look nice. I did not remember him looking like that at all. <laughs> I remember him from late season. <laughs> That's certainly a look. It is a look. <laughs> Coffee and chili fries for Rory. Lorelai says, Behold the healing powers of the bath and tell me about the guy. So. They're having uh, some banter. Rory doesn't want to tell her. And. Lorelai's like, I'm going to find out anyway. I'm going to spy on you to figure out who this boy is that you're crushing on. Wink. <laughs> Luke says, put down that coffee. You don't want to end up like your mom. And Rory says, sorry, too late. You know, that's the that's the sales pitch of the episode, the pilot episode. And now we're pulling out of the Luke's diner. They're sitting there at the table. And, you know, we got, I don't know what this artist is, but some music <laughs> from 2000. This Executive is destroy my Netflix algorithm. Oh, <laughs> I hear that. All right. So I know this one went a little bit long. It was a little bit different pacing than what we're used to. We're usually wrapping up the whole show by this point. And I, I feel like I had to just like narrate and, you know, uh, bring everything up to speed. And we didn't get to talk about a whole lot of hegemony, but what did y'all think? Uh, pilot so episode. trying to look at something in here from a hegemony perspective uh it, they do uh kind of create the impression with her one that you can start at a uh, hotel as a maid and <laughs> just over you know a few years uh you know long enough for your kid to become college age i guess work your way up to the owner which is usually not the case she's um, the manager she's not the owner but oh okay close to it yeah it kind of presented it like she was uh owning it but okay well you can get to a manager in 18 years um but the you know the, the way that she uh acted like you know she'd never gotten anything from her parents and except for when she was having asking for money for her daughter uh and you know the impression you get from that is that you know she, she kind of worked her way up uh and you know everything that she achieved she achieved on her own but there is also you know, advantages well. just, of, just, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, race, area. class, uh, education. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, the, the, that's probably my biggest beef with the show. District. Is yeah, that the school district you grow up in, you know. Yeah, like, if you didn't have generational wealth in the picture at all, Rory wouldn't even have a shot at getting into yeah. Chilton. You know, it wouldn't even be on the table. It wouldn't even be a thing. You yeah. wouldn't even get to the point where it's like, how am I going to pay for this? Because you wouldn't even... She wouldn't even be making the grades, you know? Like, yeah. people don't understand. Well, a lot of people do understand, but they, they, there isn't a mass media narrative that sort of, you know, illustrates clearly the, the notion that if you have generational wealth in your family, in your direct lineage, that you're already on such a smoother road. 
and your progeny are going to be better off. Having a baby at 16 looks very different if generational wealth is not involved, even if, even if it is true, like what she says, and she never accepted help from anyone and worked herself and made her own life for herself. It's like, that's still, that, that is not even an option for people in different, you know, socioeconomic groups or, right. you know, people just, yeah. It, like it, how'd you, it, how'd you pay for child care? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like we, we make a chunk and it was profoundly expensive right. paying for our kid to get her uh, child care, you know, during the daytime when we were both working up until, uh, she hit school age. Right. So. so presumably even, even if, you know, if grandma and grandpa here are living, you know, they're, they're living 30 minutes away in Hartford, you know, Rory's a newborn. Lorelai's working as a, you know, a, a housekeeper in this inn. Who's watching the kid? You know, yeah. how, how, where, who, who, who's paying for that? Now, that being said, this is Stars Hollow. And it takes a village, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, in this fantasy world that we are seeing here, I'm sure the, t- the town just all kind of banded together to help Lorelai out. And it was all good and wholesome and wonderful and all that stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> this is the difference between uh, the Gilmore Girls reality and real reality. You know, that uh, just doesn't happen. I mean, I live in a small town now. I grew up in a small town. And if I needed to... to you know daycare like i'm not going to be able to knock on my neighbor's door and be like hey can you watch my kid for you know six to eight months <laughs> while <laughs> while i'm you know trying to get a foothold on life you know I, I think that gilmore girls does a great job of normalizing a lot of things that were somewhat taboo that we didn't just that we at that point in history weren't comfortable talking about but, but I have to say, watching the series, you know, all together, I sort of call it white privilege, the show, because yep. it is, I mean, it is that it's like the, the, the drama and the, you know, the, the rising action and everything in the scene, it all is, is setting on this platform of, of white privilege that we'd be remiss to, to not acknowledge, you know, and, and I think the show parents out of the picture and you've got, uh, an episode of shameless. Exactly. Exactly. I, you know, uh, the generational wealth is in and of itself a character that comes back time and time again through the series, but it doesn't really come back in a way that escapes the hegemony. Um, the hegemony being that even Lorelai's main character development is that she went out on her own, uh, you know, developed, you know, she built this, this business or she, you know, worked her way up. And this type of survivorship bias is something that we've seen time and time again with, yeah. you know, uh, inheritors of, of generational wealth. They say, well, I did yep. this all on my own. I didn't have help from anybody. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, and you didn't help me. I didn't come back here and ask for a loan. Therefore, all of my success is by my own blood, sweat, tears, and grit. And it's just not true. It's just not true. That being said. And, you know, putting putting it in a show like this creates the impression that that is the norm. 
Uh, so, you know, if you're somebody who was successful, then you look at this and see, well, yeah, I mean, this is just how it's done. And you right. don't see the people who aren't successful. And if you're not successful, you think, oh, you know, it must be some kind of flaw with me that, you know, keeps me from being able to achieve these mm -hmm. things. Because anybody mm -hmm. could just do that. Look at, you know, this character did that. Right. Or or worse, worse even than that, like the, the meritocracy angle being like looking at other people who yeah. aren't quote successful mm. or affluent or whatever and being like well if they just work harder yep then they'd have what i had right that's um, uh, which obviously is, the, is dog shit the biggest the biggest failure i think is is just that like not not illustrating what what someone who doesn't succeed looks like i and and say, and showing them as human i'm not saying that this is all of this falls on the shoulders of the Gilmore Girls showrunners, yeah. you know. I'm just saying, like in general, our our mass media at at a broad lens, like we need to do a lot yeah. better at showing, like this is what happens when you don't succeed and you're still a human being afterward, and you still are deserving of care. You're still deserving yeah. of health. You're still deserving of education. You're still deserving of a place in society, even if you fail colossally even if you fail and it's yeah. your own fault even if you did yeah. something even wrong if, yeah you yeah. know uh, but i don't know even if you can't if you if you can't work if you don't want to work you are still you're still deserving of all of those things yeah. that you just listed yeah and, yeah that being said yeah. I, I i wish that there was a star's hollow for everyone to live in to be honest i mean yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful place, and it's the type of place that I think that, you know, anyone would love to live in if it was real. <laughs> you know, like, um, it, I, I can't really say for sure whether I think that the, 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 the presentation of Stars Hollow is problematic or not, like, over the course of the series, which I'm... I'm plural to watch the whole series. It's great. It's a great show, really. It is. I mean, um, but I, I think that I think that Star, that Stars Hollow is so, you know, disjunct from the real reality that people understand. And maybe Michelle can kind of like, you know, chime in on this a little bit. But I think that the people that, that the fandom really kind of like understands that it is some sort of escape, like. They watch Gilmore Girls to go to Stars Hollow, and to like be I in that town. That from a lot of people, it's just getting away from everything, where you wish you could be. <laughs> but still, you know, it's not like an escape to a vacation or a beach, or like it's how you want to live your life, how you. Right, and you know, wish life would really be like. And that's that's it. And, this, and the sad part about it, I guess, you know, is that it, it, it could be this way. You know, like, the, the Stars Hollow is almost like the capitalist dream, if you think about it. Like, they, there's a rich, there's rich people. There's people that are not so rich, but they're still, you know, fine, I guess. They, just the least wealthy people in the town, you know, are either, nobody's miserable in Stars Hollow, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're just, they sell fruit or something, you know, and that's just how they, they're happy about it. And, but the reality is if you don't have access to things like education and healthcare, then, uh, you know, 
you just can't have that kind of lifestyle. You can't you can't be happy doing menial work because all of your life is suffering. And uh, I don't know, like Stars Hollow is a is sort of a thing where like if we if we did take care of each other a little bit better, I think that we could we could kind of make our own Stars Hollow, so to speak. But yeah, I don't know. It's definitely something to think about. And it's definitely a place that I feel like I uh, definitely escaped to when I was watching the series, too. I was like, wow, why why don't we do this? Why don't we act like this in small towns, you know? But. And with that said, I think that will be a pretty good place for us to wrap it up for today. I know we went a little long. This one's been uh, been pretty cool. I mean, how do you all like the uh, the not-sitcom format? I mean, it's a little long form. But yeah. I think yeah. it worked okay. Um, yeah, uh, I liked it. I think it was made it, it made things a bit easier to follow. <laughs> Stuff wasn't as like uh, I mean just we, rapid fire. Yeah. yeah, I mean we were watching Family Guy, man. It was like God, the, oh, the quick cuts yeah. and the gags were just like, oh my god, what have, we've already missed four just trying to explain the last one, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, a great to have y'all on Soren and Michelle like this is a uh, y'all uh, had some keen insights and you know looking forward to having y'all back on the show again down the road maybe no thank you for having me again it's always fun and with that one I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up uh, Hedgepod at, at Hedgepod on Twitter uh, at H-E-G-E-P-O-D please send us some feedback uh, we're gonna try to do a little bit better about getting our social media algorithms and stuff uh, in in order <laughs> like I'd love to hear what people are thinking about this content and you know what we need to to try and do a little bit better uh, hedgepot at gmail.com for episode suggestions or just hit us up on Twitter and uh, with that one we'll catch you the next time bye <laughs>